Oh, hi. Hello. Hey. <laughs> hey there. Hey, friend. Hi. It's Sarah and Carolyn, storytelling, laughing, talking about the things on your mind. Sure, they're weird, but life is complicated, and you gotta take a friend along. It's Sarah and Carolyn, Kara and Sarahlyn, Sarah and Carolyn time. How's your day? I mean, it is 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. We make bad choices. So we make excellent choices, <laughs> followed by bad choices. We mix them together. We like variety and balance. Uh-huh. It's important. It's an yeah. important thing. Yeah, we're recording the final episode <laughs> of season weird. one. It's weird. It's exciting. It's it's mostly weird. I re-listened to the, um, to the thing that we had on Patreon where we were talking about oh, the name. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... and it was oddly poignant for me <laughs> this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, we did do that. Like, that was a while ago when we started thinking ago. about this thing. And then we did this thing. Yeah. It's very satisfying to come to the conclusion of a project. I mean, so. Or the, a pausing a point, point yeah. in the project, which is very exciting and we'll get to later. Um, I also, I, uh, I'm doing that thing that I tend to do, which is that I am now reflecting back on the entire season and full of regrets. <laughs> that and I this is where we very much differ in that I, I'm as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to forget about everything and be like, well, that's finished. Goodbye no, forever. No, I, I have a long list of things that I wish I could go back and tweak and fix and like, oh, I wish that was, I said that differently. I wish this was, a, you know, trimmed differently, right? Like, just fussing about great art is never finished I... only abandoned i'm so glad that you get to do the abandoning part i do that <laughs> i abandon things i'm like oh i did this thing it's neat here see bye <laughs> all done envy is the <laughs> name of the emotion it's i am like feeling. when i mail cards we were just talking about this when i mail cards I literally put something in the mailbox and it ceases to exist for me. I have it's some like object, object permanence issues. In. You missed a developmental <laughs> point. A serious, that's an important one. It sure is. I, will you forget me when I leave tonight? No, probably not. Probably not. You're not in my phone, so we're fine. Yeah, good. Okay. Don't All lose right. your phone. Don't lose that. No, jeez. No, absolutely not. So, what are we talking about? Oh, wait, no. What are we? How's your week? Aside <laughs> from the fact that it's 11 o'clock at one, on a Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been going through it. Yeah. I, this is not a good day. Yeah. I've had a really rough day. There was I'm a so lot of sorry. crying in my car. Yeah, um, that's the place. I like the car and the shower. Those are my two favorite places to cry. My um, my office has a garden, uh-huh. and I will often take a walk through the garden also to mm-hmm. do crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, that I, was my day, was a lot of crying breaks. Mm. And I left a little early and got a blizzard. On the way home, because I mean that... DQ is open. <gasps> Spring has sprung in Michigan. <laughs> Correct. For those of you who might not be from the Mitten State or the Midwest in general, our ice cream stores shut down when it's cold. Yeah, they close in the wintertime. Yeah. So when they reopen, it's, it's there was there was much rejoicing a, yeah, in the village. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've just I've been going through it. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks. Yeah, I'll be all right. I know I'm you very will. durable. I'm aware of that. <laughs> this still sucks, right? Like, especially yeah. when it's coming from lots of different directions. So many. Yeah. So many directions. Yeah. All of the directions. Damn it. It's mm-hmm. like, can I just have one? Like, one direction? Just that's one. Not... Yeah. Just one big one. Yeah. And I was supposed to be able to go um, get some karaoke, hang out with my partner time this weekend. And that is not, that isn't mm-hmm. happening either. So... I'm trying to figure out ways to replace that self-care. Yeah. So some extra yoga. Yep. Um, I got a Groupon to get a massage, uh, <laughs> which is exciting because um, that's not a thing that I can that I splurge on on the regular. Right. Um, but also, uh, my other partner like touched the muscles in my <laughs> shoulder, and she's like. Those aren't just knots. Those are, that's like, you're made of concrete at this point. So it's time to go get that cared yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do is a crap ton of self-care this weekend. I think that sounds like an excellent plan. Yep. 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 Yeah. How about you? How are you doing? 
Um, I'm doing all right. I'm bracing for the um, volatile weather pattern mm. of spring. Um, that is but not good for chronic n- no, illness sufferers. Yeah, it's no bueno. Um, but I also, I get um, this weird, uh, like, surge of energy that comes with the, like, oh, we can start our planters, like our, our starters inside now. We can mm. get, there's mm-hmm. enough sunshine. We can grow stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was walking with Sam our doggo in the backyard um, you guys can probably hear my doggo apparently because i gave him something to keep him quiet and it didn't work i mean he's not barking <laughs> that is true so it kind of worked um so but, you were taking a walk with yeah him. so we have kind of a wild backyard and we, everything is is died down right now so it doesn't feel so wild right like mm-hmm. the day lilies are starting to poke up but taking a walk around and, and doing that thing where I'm like, I'm going to plant these plants here and I'm going to do this thing here, which only half of these things ever happen because sure. it turns out that my summers are incredibly busy. So I've got a sweet spot it turns in the out. spring. <laughs> For the then... last decade, my summers have been incredibly Shh. busy. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> you know, it is a real point of contention because everybody's like, we're going to go up to our family cabin for a week or like, oh, it's so slow and easy at our at our office mm, during the summer, yeah. including my coworkers who are like, oh, we're going to go on summer hours and have less because there's not as much to do in the office. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> go make some coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, so summers are rough. And so then my yard gets badly neglected again until like August. Yeah. And then summer's essentially over because we have like the first day of school dates. So so what we need to do is make a date for like next October to put in like 4,000 bulbs. bulbs. Yeah. Um, well, which actually I, I may or may not have authorized the purchase oh, no. of roughly 500 bulbs at my place of work by the garden department. They're like, they're on sale. And I'm like, they are. Get them all. <laughs> And so um, it's been really lovely to walk into work. And um, I usually just do a once around the building mm-hmm. and like walk out in the garden and stuff. And there's all kinds of things yeah. um, starting to poke up. Yeah. Um, it's so such that's, a renewal yeah. when, when things, I mean, just the, the addition of sunshine, right? Mm-hmm. Like making it to six o'clock with the sun still in the sky. Kiddo and I have been walking every day. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm not I'm not mad about it, but I am bracing because I know that the highs are going to be high and the lows are going to be low. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to all my chronic pain friends out there who who feel that. Um, so what are we talking about? We're talking about feminism today. Not As even a we... loaded word at all. <laughs> it's fine. This is an easy one. We're going to be done in 20 minutes. Cool. 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 All right. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Do you do you have people in your world who use feminism as like a as like a dirty word? Um, boomers. But yeah. like, do you specifically have people who are like, ugh? No, that's feminism. what I mean. Like the boomers in my life. Oh, in um, your life specifically. Okay. Like I get uh, there's a, f- a a few of the like, I just don't like the connotations that come along with it, and I'm like, what connotations are those? <laughs> The right? connotations that I'm it's, a full human being. Yeah. It's um, most of the time now, um, the people in my life love me and know me well enough. The people who've stuck around um, know that this is not a thing that we're going to like have a discussion about. I'm going to be like, nope, because I want to keep liking you. <laughs> um, I, it's, it's mostly older family members yeah. that, I, that I still run into that a little bit. Um, but generally speaking this the place that I work currently and then where when I was sort of self-employed for those few months between things mm-hmm. and then um the the place where I was before that um I was very insulated they were female majority mm-hmm. um offices and they were also uh like incredibly accomplished brilliant high energy high intensity women so that it wasn't really so much as like Feminism was like a conversation left behind in, you know, your 20s. And right. so the conversations we were having were way different. Right. Um, and fun and nuanced and complicated in different ways. But I was very, very insulated right. from a lot of that. So other than on board meeting nights, which I think I've mentioned previously <laughs> in, this, in this season. When I think about feminism 
kind of linguistically in the ways that it's loaded. I um, I have this. I used to have a T-shirt in college that has the quote, um, and I don't know who said it right now. I'll look it up because I, I should. I should do, uh, so feminism is the radical notion that women are people. Uh, wasn't that? Yes, yeah, you look it up. Yeah, so look it up. I was. I had that T-shirt. It had been gifted to me. I think it's me. Stein, but I'm not sure. I was. I don't think it's Stein. It may be earlier than that. Um, so I was wearing it. And I was hanging out with my friends, and one of the dudes was staring at my boobs. And I was like, hey, man, quit staring at my boobs. And he's like, hey, don't put words on your boobs. And I was like, oh, this is a complicated conversation now. <laughs> well, here we are, friend. <laughs> Mar- Marie Shear. Okay. 1940 to 2017. Uh, she uh, coined the phrase in her review of a feminist dictionary. In New Directions for Women so in 1986. Wave. Yeah. Second, yeah. Yeah. I don't... When When did you realize you were a feminist? When is that a like a realization? I know I'm going off book, but I... No, no. Yeah. Um, so I never... I think that most people who are in a othered category, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who suffer with some form of oppression are gaslighted so much Mm -hmm. that there's the moment where it sort of clicks where you're like wait a minute right (laughs) um where this whole time you've been like something's off something feels weird i feel like i'm being treated differently Mm -hmm. this seems people are looking at me funny why am i being treated this way what Mm -hmm. right like and those kind of things i think start happening when people when you're a child like a very small child i think and i think that it happens i see it happening where like i see it happening with little kids mm-hmm. like where I'm like don't say that to to that person right right like and just and then I see relief when I call out or yeah or name something that like that's off that feels funny yeah um so I I think for me the moment more clicked for me when I was in uh I want to say sixth grade mm. sixth or seventh maybe um, and we talked, we were talking about the suffrage movement. Oh, okay. Um, and I don't think we ever touched that until I was like a junior in high school. And it was such a blip. Yeah. See, we, so I have been incredibly lucky to not only, so I moved around a lot. Yeah. And I experienced inc- uh, incredible range mm-hmm. of educational uh, opportunities where we were in really, really like rich districts with really, really like liberal leaning curriculum. And then also Southern Ohio for uh, some of high school and right. Like I was all over the place. Um, but this was at a very, um, affluent liberal leaning, uh, school district was where I was when I was in sixth grade. Okay. And so we talked about the women's suffrage movement and I was like, Oh fuck. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Like, Oh, okay. All right. Um, but I, I mean, then a lot of that stuff, you have to develop that voice mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think then a bell hooks was a major, major, major turning point mm-hmm. for my feminist lens. And um, it was in a critic, uh, a critique class, right, where I, it was um, critical literature. Okay. And that was basically, it was college, right? And yeah. It was about developing your lens. And then, like, we talked about what your natural lens is and how you read things and how... And it was a great class. Um, But then we ran into Bell Hooks for one thing where we were just supposed to read an article. And then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And I read everything. All of it. Because that's kind of how I interact with authors in general. Yeah. So um, that changed a lot. Any kind of content that you really connect with, I think. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Bell Hooks was... uh, where a lot of my language came from and understanding mm-hmm. and um, and also rage, a lot yeah. of a lot of rage. I didn't tap into the rage as much as I really wish I would have <laughs> <laughs> when I was in sixth grade. See, I really wish I had regrets. I really, oh, yeah. I really wish I had tapped into my rage more as a sixth grader. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I feel like I feel like my um I feel like I found the language of feminism kind of as a label mm, a little later than that, right? Like late middle school, 
early high school, but I also feel like a lot of my feminism in that part of my life was really Annie, get your gun. Right. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Anything you can do, I can do better. Like I'm I'm a woman and I can do all the things. Well, I think that and, that's one of the first things that you interact with where it's right. like, I need some strong guys to help move chairs, and you're like, I will move all the chairs. Right. <laughs> right? Like <laughs> give me seven chairs well, under my was, tiny little twig arm. <laughs> and I was such a complicated kid because I loved being femme. Princessy as mm-hmm. a little girl, right? Like I we used to have this really long hallway outside our bedrooms and I would take one of my parents' clean bed sheets, which I'm sure they loved. Sorry, Mom. Um, <laughs> and, like, wrap it around my head as a big veil and do, like, the whole Sound of Music wedding march in my own head. <laughs> right? That's like, awesome. <laughs> I was very into really feminine things and and yet also really loved the feeling of being strong <clears throat> and the ability to do things my own for my own self. And... um that was true from the beginning for me, I think. So like feminine, but stubborn. Yeah. Um, and then, and then a lot of my feminism was that kind of like less, less context, right? Like mm-hmm. less history, less understanding. Of- oh, I would say that I wasn't even an intersectional feminist until like embarrassingly late in yeah. my life. Um, I was definitely, I mean, white feminism, like the, like we need to put aside our differences. I don't see <laughs> color and oh, right. Like the colorblind color thing. Yeah. It's so violent and it's so, um, but was so pervasive erased. in our circles. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and in the nineties, yeah. In the nineties, right. And yeah. the nineties and, and early aughts. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was wrong. Right. Like, yep. um, but it was definitely a major point in my journey. And then I, again, was incredibly lucky that bell hooks yeah. was my main entry point and and then i think i thought i was doing an okay job of being an intersectional (laughs) feminist until uh, my mom's group yeah (laughs) i mean and then i learned how to suck less which i (laughs) eternally grateful for um and why they're so important to me (laughs) i feel like that's an ongoing practice for me forever forever yeah i don't i it feels a little weird i know that i have a lot of room for growth yeah and that there are blind spots still and that i'm going to have to humble myself and educate myself repeatedly well i think that moment where you're like hey is like if you can learn to shut up at that moment that's like one of the biggest steps yeah right of like i feel like being defensive yeah instead of being defensive maybe i should sit with this for a little while first um and then also don't um, Google like Google shit. Don't go to like don't expect people other people and expect to other people you. to educate you. Yeah, do your you. own work, guys. Yeah. Do your own work. But like, there's excellent things. So like, again, I'm gonna say it a bunch more times probably. But Bell Hooks is a really, <laughs> really, really good spot. So tell me what your favorite resource is, Caroline. <laughs> I mean, hi, Cody. I mean, there's a jillion, right? Because that's the I love brutal... that I made a I made a sarcastic comment because you're talking about bell hooks again and you're like but let me list all my favorite resources no right no now. i'm i'm not i'm but what i'm <laughs> gonna point out is that like the brutal and unfortunate truth is while we were fucking dabbling in our white feminism black women have stayed yeah solving this fucking problem when then white women have been have stayed abandoning them yep in it so that's embarrassing and awful and a thing that have you, you have to be really honest about, too. Have you seen the Target honeypot commercial with all of its white tears in the comments section? I don't read comments anymore for that reason, but I did see it through. Um, I follow Afropunk. Oh, that's And cool. so they talked about how mm-hmm. her sales doubled after all of those things. Yep. So that was nice. That was I prefer the after. <laughs> like, I don't want to... The before... I prefer to read the after story. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if you are looking for a really excellent example of white feminism, go go Google Honeypot Target ad and then read all the comments and watch all the women who are like, oh, you made this a racial thing (laughs) because because the black business owner who is now carrying a line in Target said that, like, it's important that I'm doing this so that the next black, like, young entrepreneur... Sees has, a thing. Yeah, yeah. Has visibility for it. And they're like, oh, you played the race card. I'm so offended. And I'm like, mm. hey, ugh, ugh. Mm. Don't do that. Stop that. Don't. I mean, we're going to talk about this, obviously, from our perspectives. Mm-hmm. And we are white people. So um, 
Which is why just, I think it's important to say, hey, white people. Yeah, let's fucking get our shit together, shall we? Off. But also then, um, I can't emphasize enough that if your feminism isn't intersectional, mm. it is trash. Expand <laughs> like, on that. I can't, like, I can't, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. So just so for listeners, because I think we want to kind of pick at this a little deeper later, just a, like a bullet point definition of when you say intersectional feminism, what does that phrase mean to you? OK, so it's impossible to remove one portion of a person's identity from systems of oppression. So if a woman is or if a human being mm-hmm. is a woman then she experiences a certain level of oppression. If she is a black woman, then that that intersects. Those two points in her identity intersect. And that would then exacerbate and affect the way she is treated within the systems that we live in. Right. So there are layers of privilege and layers of oppression. Yep. And so when we talk about intersectional feminism specifically, what we're saying is, is you can't ignore your privilege, nor can you ignore the intersections of people's identities when we're having this conversation. Right. Um, And there's levels of affluence that affect it. Mm -hmm. uh, But you can't ever remove one of the things, right? Like you can't remove someone being a female from the conversation. You can't remove someone being black from the conversation of their personal experience. Right. So when we're talking about intersectional feminism, that's what we're talking about. And also, I think... At this point, we should also mention turf and swerf. Sure. Uh, which is just not delicious. <laughs> okay, so break them down. So turf If you is... haven't heard turf, I mean, for those of you who know turf and swerf, like, probably yeah. you can skip the next 15 seconds, but go ahead. Yeah, so turf is um, trans-exclusive radical feminism. Thank you, J.K. Rowling, for oh a God, perfect I'm opportunity so of, of illustrating that point. The And then swerf... Um, is sex worker exclusive mm-hmm. uh, radical feminism. And both of those things are trash um, mm-hmm. and kill it with fire. I and, mean, and a lot of them, I think it's important to note um, when we are talking about turfs and swerfs that there are moralistic elements that are deeply rooted in bad Christian theology. And so this is a moment where, as a Christian, I think it's really important that I examine my faith and make sure that I am not tangled up in that garbage. And I would invite other Christian listeners to do that too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, if, if we're talking about feminism being a a response to the vulnerability and the specific vulnerability of being a woman, Mm -hmm. you turfs and swerfs literally take the most at risk, Mm -hmm. vulnerable women Mm -hmm within the conversation and just leave them out. Right. And that is both horrifying and deeply, deeply saddening. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about it, that's we'll use those terms. Um, and I say this with gentleness because I know a ton of like really radical feminists where we've bumped into some of these things before. Mm. I'm, I'm willing to have that conversation. Um, <laughs> just... Let's do that one-on-one together yeah. and and have that conversation. Because one of my dearest friends who has taught me a ton about intersectional feminism, like, was what I think be categorized as a turf early in our relationship. And mm-hmm. we have literally, like, shifted one another's walks so thoroughly in this conversation. I love that. Um, and yeah. I mean, that's the idea, right? Is that right. we can do that with each other. Right. Um, and... Also, I always get anxious when I talk about some of these terms and conversations because I'm old and I know that I'm still getting stuff wrong. Right. Right. Like I'm old by internet years. Yeah. Right. By like a lot. So, um, so there's definitely like elder millennial as it were. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) feeling the elder part. Um, but like, I feel like it's also really important to just to to just do it yeah. because it's uncomfortable yeah. and we just have to. Yep. Um and um if we don't then we're never going to get better at it. Yeah. Um and I think also it there is an incredible amount of 
courage that I draw from knowing that I am surrounded by a circle of people who will be like, hey, you fucked that up. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how you cannot fuck that up yeah. the next time. Yeah. And like, that is mm-hmm. what you guys want. You yeah. want a group of people around you who will call out bad shit uh-huh. and bad behavior. Uh-huh. And then also who will say, hey, here's a resource for that thing. Here's a suggestion or I'm... I'm I'm pointing you I'm pointing this out because I love you not because I'm trying to scold you right um which is incredibly helpful have a group of people like that around so when did you so if we're talking I think I think the safest uh area (laughs) for us to like really dig into um is internalized misogyny Uh uh-huh um so misogyny is hatred of things that are female Uh um and internalized misogyny is a part of that whole gaslighting problem. Um, uh, you are treated or taught uh, insidiously uh-huh. um, a number of different practices and ways of thinking. And um, and then they come out in really unpleasant and uh, personal ways. Yep. And you have to literally go through and dig through your thinking and and fix it. Mm-hmm. And not like one time. Mm-hmm. Like you have to dig through your thinking and do it yeah. a bunch of times, like a lot. So what do you what do you bring on that front? So it, it's a tricky question because I know that if I if I could spend enough time thinking back, right? Because because misogyny is such a normalized behavior. And because I grew up in an era where misogyny was still right, like my parents were radical and and for forefront of of progressive movements because I had two working parents, mm. right? That split the responsibilities ish, mm-hmm. right? My mom was still expected to do a lot of domestic stuff, but my dad was a much more hands on dad than a lot of our peers were. Yeah, mine was too. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, and yet, I know that there's something there, right? Like, um, but I'm thinking about the first time that I really understood um, the power dynamic of misogyny. Mm. And I was uh, 21, 22, um, not old enough to, to have a sense of conviction, not old enough to know how to stand up for myself. Um, and I was um, working in a chiropractic office in the area. Um, I, I uh, used to be a massage therapist for context here. Um, that was my first profession. And uh, the, the office was owned by um, a man who was married and had a bajillion kids and a beautiful wife and the picture perfect home and he was very Ken doll handsome mm. um, and his wife used to be the massage therapist at the practice but then when she had babies she stayed home so she technically was my manager but I never saw her because she had babies mm. um, and he and I ran into power dynamic issues almost immediately mm. um, you know the there was a lot of like um, this person can't receive massage services unless they see me X amount of times for chiropractic adjustments. Um, whether or not that was really what was best for the, the patient, the client. Yeah. yeah. And so I would advocate, right? Like they're telling me that they get more relief from this than from this. And they're trying to budget their insurance visits and like, yeah, that's just real. And I was very frequently reminded that he was the owner and the boss and the doctor and without his signing off on it they couldn't get massage from me at all because that's how insurance billed it was supervised by a doctor this was before massage therapy was licensed by the state Mm, mm -hmm. and so you had to have doctoral supervision if the insurance was going to be billed for it and so we ran into that tension quite a lot and then um he uh, our relationship did not last a year as as coworkers, um, and I came into the office one day, and my books were all blocked off. And I asked the the person at the counter, I'm like, "Hey, what's going on with this?" Mm-hmm. And 
And she's like, oh, well, you'll have to talk to the doctor about that. And so then he calls me into the office halfway through my work day and is like, hey, um, I've decided I'm going to bring on another chiropractor because we can see more people per hour. So when it came time for us to part ways, he did it in a really um, shady kind of way. Yeah. And he pulled me into the office and was like, hey, we're going to bring in another chiropractor um, because we can see more people per hour than you can. And it's just a better use of the space. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's understandable. And I said, since you're not going to have a massage practice in, in the building anymore, would it be okay with you if I sent a letter to my current clients yeah so that so you could keep them yeah so mm-hmm. that they know where to find me if they want to and he was like i suppose you could do that and then and then i did and then he found out that i did and then he called me into the office i mean i was already essentially fired right he was yeah. making me take take the appointments that were already on my books um he called me into the office and and told me that he had never approved that i had never asked that he would never approve such a thing yeah. and and i remember leaving there being just so angry yeah that he would just blatantly lie about it yeah. and make me feel like make yeah. me feel like the perpetrator and i really really felt that that was a a a power play, a misogyny play. And I know it's not specifically, but it's like, he's the owner, he's the doctor, I can't do anything without him. And if I'm not gonna yeah. bend to him, then he's gonna get rid of me. Turns out, by the way, that he just replaced me with another massage therapist later. So he was too chicken shit to actually fire me, fire yeah. me. Um, so that's yeah. the first one that felt really unjust to me um, that I can think of. How about you? I... So, I noticed it all the time growing up. Um, my grandfather was a big, larger-than-life personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it it was this combination of, like, being treated like... Um, I was the oldest grandchild. But then I was also really tall and really robust and also really active Mm -hmm. physically. And, um, and so it was this strange combination. Like I could literally watch him and he was, he grew up in Texas. I could watch him struggling with being proud of me and liking my audacity and my voice and my strength. And then also this deep need to shut me up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was physically abusive, um, mm-hmm. which I mean, we call it different things, right? Where it's like, but like he, he absolutely believed in physical punishment. Yeah. Um, and I think he was a lot rougher on my aunts and uncles mm-hmm. or aunts and uncle than, than he was on me. But it, he, he was physically, um, he would slap me and things like that when I was too mouthy, mm. right? Where it was like I'd forgotten my Gives place. Me so many mama bear feelings. I know, I know. Well, and and the the thing is too is my poor mother didn't know about it because oh. it was when we would stay with them, oh. um, and and it was just one of those things where I've I've worked a lot and come to like peace with the frailty of my lost relatives and that they're humans and they get to be human and also that doesn't excuse behavior and like all of that complicated stuff um but uh it it was there was a lot of like you need to shut up and and behave yourself because that's what girls are supposed to do Mm. and um and but seriously i could i can watch it him struggling with it i could watch him internally struggling with it um and and then also in my household, my mom was always very, she was always very outspoken, always very like the stronger personality in my in my household. And my dad, you know, stayed at home with us because he was a student when I was born. Mm-hmm. So he stayed at home with me and was the primary caregiver right. and all of that kind of stuff. And in our house, it wasn't that was never commented upon. It was totally fine. Everything right. right? Like my dad also did a lot of the cooking and I learned how to bake and yep. learned how to do laundry and all of those things for my, my dad. Um, so it was, I was getting a lot of mixed messages <laughs> is what we're saying here. Um, and then personally, um, the, the thing that I think that I resent the most of, as far as my internalized misogyny was my uh, view on female friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and how I didn't allow myself a ton of female friendship. I always identified more as a tomboy and like, I want to hang out with boys. Yeah. Not realizing that that was my way of uh, associating myself with power Ooh, because that yeah. was where the power was. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I wanted to have power and I've always been an ambitious person. Sure. And I've always liked to be in control and I've always liked. And so the, the only place to get that is by that social capital. Right. When you're when it's the late 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, as a kid and an adolescent. So um, that one was. I'm still pissed <laughs> that I missed out on as many female friendships as I could have had because yeah. they're fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, it's a lot easier to date women when you have spent t- more time around <laughs> them uh, because it's harder when you have social skills that are similar to dudes. And my girl, my partner has also uh, commented on this before. She's like, you're such a dude. <laughs> like, you're I, such you a really dude really are sometimes. at times. Yeah. Your um, belching prowess in particular <gasps> is one of my favorite you like tomboy you ain't heard nothing i mean i think uh, i have and, well okay but you should my sister and i <laughs> <laughs> so while you were talking while you were talking about your family dynamic i had a flashback of memory of something that i had totally forgotten that still makes me so uncomfortable we were at a family wedding um i'm i'm one of the younger cousins on my dad's side of the family and we were at a wedding at the amway grand very posh so fancy posh hotel in grand rapids um i was a junior in high school and i was a rule follower like (laughs) whoa yeah um and so my brother who is five years older than i am was of age and we were at the cocktail hour back when that was like a brand new thing yeah and back uh, when the wedding industrial complex was like ooh, we can stretch this out even we can more. add another cost to the bottom line <laughs> thousands of dollars in open bar tab <laughs> <laughs> so uh my brother is drinking i don't know like a sam adams right like because that was the craft beer Oof. of the of the 90s oh man we had, um, we drank some bad booze okay i'm yeah, sorry okay. continue um and he we were standing there chatting and he goes, do you want a sip? And I'd never had beer before. And I was <gasps> like, right. Cause I was a rule follower. Right. <laughs> Stop laughing. It's Cause fine, you're going to be so grossed out and angry in just a second. Oh, no. So I took a sip off of my brother's beer and from behind me, my uncle who is a complicated human to love. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty misogynist mm-hmm. just in general. Um, was like immediately like right behind me and he leans in right by my ear and he goes it's not very ladylike to see you sucking on a bottle like that oh right (laughs) and i was i was a sweet late bloomer who was like i don't know why that comment made me so uncomfortable but but i am deeply uncomfortable possibly forever and he like the way he like just like joked about it whispered it in my ear and joked about it and i that. <laughs> Ew. Ew. So, thank you for helping me recall that, Gem. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's complicated. And often gross. And so so upsetting <laughs> on so many levels. Um, I remember being sexualized uh, very, very early mm-hmm. um, by men in our church. Yuck. So that's fun. Mm. Um, because I think I like hip hormones in like sixth grade and thus got boobs and like, yeah, yeah, it was, it's all, it's all really gross. And, and the thing is too, is you take these people of authority Mm -hmm. who are surrounding you and you take that stuff and you're like, Oh, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really uncomfortable, but they're an adult and they must should know. So, huh. Right. And that awful feeling is that's that's misogyny there yeah. it is boom that's the I was, patriarchy i was a seventh grader when a peer from a different class that i didn't know came up to me at the locker and was like are you a virgin and i'm like i don't i don't have the tools for this conversation but that conversation came up repeatedly through my adolescence mm. and into my 20s right we're like coworkers, and and I'm like, I don't understand why this is even a conversation we're having. 
And it was always men. It was always men. Oh, it's because that. of the rule following thing. I'm like, why did they do that? Because that isn't a thing that happened to me. No, I know. It wasn't a thing that happened to you. You got hypersexualized. I, I, I got hypersexualized. You, we've got the hormadonna complex right going here on right here between table. us. Right at this um, table. And so isn't that special? It's a it special was thing. It's terrible. So yeah, I'm still mad about missing out on female friendships. I'm yeah. still mad about being made uncomfortable constantly at church, which again, now you can see why like I don't really miss it yeah. <laughs> all that much. Yeah. And um and then the last thing um that I think if you are a straightish identifying human mm-hmm. who uh likes men's uh competing for male attention. Yeah. The solid gold dick. Yeah. I um <laughs> so one of I love that phrase. <laughs> I, I I have I have a number of things that I've written about this. Um my partner Todd has um has gone off on multiple rants about how saturated the dick pic market is. <laughs> he goes, "You know what? There are tons of women who sell nudes for money." <laughs> and if these assholes would just would just stop saturating the market, we could we could finally create enough scarcity mm-hmm. to really monetize this, mm-hmm. which I think is adorable and hilarious. Yeah. Um, but I I I think um, I've always been a really competitive person, yeah. and so there was a, a lot of my twenties where the, competing for male attention was fine, right? Like I didn't, but also just competing for anything was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like this whole treating dick like it's like a precious resource that could just disappear at any time oh no um, uh was a really like that's still a thing that like now um it's embarrassing right like when you have when you like the times that i've belittled another woman mm-hmm. in order to what i thought was amplify myself in the view of the person that i was sitting and talking to mm-hmm. is deeply shameful to me um, and disappointing. And then also, um, I, I think the thing that helped me was camp where you had a whole pile of people who were all promiscuous and a whole pile of people who weren't, and there were, it wasn't divided gender lines yeah. at all. Yeah. It was just, you had this group of people who and this group of people and some really, um, functional male friends yeah. who, when I would do that, they would laugh. And that is the appropriate response, <laughs> right? It Where it's my like feelings. What? It would hurt my feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, that is the appropriate yeah. response. If I'm tr- if I'm trying to like undercut someone, that piece. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think some of it was watching my campers and my students, sure, struggling with it and yep. going, "Oh guys, oh guys." And I say this a lot. <laughs> Too, but did you know that the Wolfman was married and had three children? <laughs> I did know that. And it's important to remember this fact. There is literally someone out there for every person if you want someone. I remember you saying that to one of our youth and students the first, and being like, holy shit, yeah, that's so true. It's true. Yeah. And not only that, if it's just about getting laid, that's an easy one. Secondly, store-bought is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have a number of them. Store-bought is fine. If you and... can't get peen at your local sex store. You, no. I have a number. We'll drop some resources yeah. is what we'll do. Yeah. But that's but that's the thing, too, is the... And honestly, I'm still in the middle of this work, yeah. right? Of, like, removing the idea of, like, erections being the, the point of, like, the, the, the beginning and ending of, of a sexual encounter. Right. Um, the that orgasms yeah so we are the only, points we only teach i mean sexuality in this country we only talk about sexuality sex acts as being orgasm driven and there's there's pride and prestige for like how many times can you make your partner come and um and that like okay climax and roll over and go to sleep and the thing is is that like the sexual encounter is so much well, and even that deeper and more complicated. Yeah. Well, and even that, like the orgasm and roll over and go to sleep. There's only one set of plumbing that needs to do right recharging after an orgasm, right? And so, even just that default is a, another symptom of where male sexuality is so much more centered, right? Or male-bodied sexuality is so right. much more centered. And and I think too that. Um, watching the evolution in myself 
play out. Yeah. And then going, hey, I remember yep. when I used to feel like the women beside me were my competition. And right. then when I stopped thinking that, how much more powerful and and safe and strong mm-hmm. all of us got. Yep. Um, but I mean, look at look at essentially every famous teenage narrative. I love Mean Girls, but there's a lot of like fighting over a dude. Oh yeah. To drive yeah. the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of the teenage storylines are about like getting the guy or getting the girl, but like particularly being well, and- hot enough or. Right, like yeah. getting stitched into your into your spandex pants and going to the <laughs> to the fun house at the fair and teasing your hair and yeah. singing to your. Right? Are you like, making a grease? I am. It's your soul. It's the dumbest movie. And it is very so dumb. Movie. I, we had we had students who did that a couple of years ago at one of the local schools, and it's much more disturbing when you watch people who are in context for the age they were supposed to be telling that story, Ew, as opposed to yeah, like twenty and thirty year olds gross. pretending to be high schoolers. When you see actual high schoolers like doing that, I'm like, stop it! Where are Sandy's parents? Where are they? Where, where are the grown-ups? Where are the grownups? Where are the grownups here? Um, that. We, I mean, we dug into some of that sort of toxic, yeah. Um, uh, that the romantic comedy, like yeah. toxicity, is romantic. Um, in the Polly and Mono mm-hmm. episode too. Um, but like, I think that a lot of where you see interpersonally, um, patriarchal power struggles mm-hmm. most directly are in those interpersonal like, yeah, conversations. I also think too that right now. I think that the emphasis of of fighting for each other as women mm. um, is a narrative that I see much more at the forefront of. I think we're after the fourth wave of feminism, honestly, at this mm. point. Like we're working on it at this point. But this because there's so I, I think we are too close to the fourth wave to understand the timeline of it, because when yeah, you're in fair. it, you don't really you can't look at it with a historical lens and understand the 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 turning points of it well and the, we we're going to link a really good article from Vox that um has uh sort of the way we organize those things sure. and it's around you know a cohesive political goal setting and uh agenda that was you know sort of uh distilled mm-hmm. from what was and what women were trying to accomplish um, at different points in history and where the names of the waves come from. So can I, because you have brought up things that kind of touch on this, can I tell you um, an internalized misogyny struggle I'm currently having? having? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes. Because I'm I'm struggling to unpack it. Like, I can articulate it, but I can't quite untangle all of the threads to, mm-hmm. to be like, this is why I feel this way. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, this will come out soonly so it's not going to be super dated come on man it is 11 48 p.m i'm allowed to make up my own words Um, right so we're in the middle of democratic primaries i know i know i'm gonna i just found it on the outline i'm like oh yeah (laughs) um i uh okay so here's the thing i don't i'm not gung-ho for any of our candidates for the Democratic Party. Mm. I'm not even a gung-ho Democrat. Um, as a as a rule, I Mm-mm. don't party affiliate. It's too moderate. Yeah. Um, I like many things about Elizabeth Warren, but I articulated something in a conversation the other day that made me go, oh, shit. Right? Because, because you're talking about this piece of like fighting for each other right mm-hmm. like yeah, and yeah it's very easy well okay so here's my issue <laughs> my issue is that i can't imagine living in a world where donald trump has defeated another woman democratic candidate because the amount of fuel that added to bad men behaviors mm. um trump is i mean he's the like the worst locker room jock of them all. Yeah. And it gave a it's lot like of It's like misogyny some... and patriarchy. Ugh. Shout out a baby. <laughs> That's, there you go. Oh, and affluence. Yeah. Don't forget that. Don't forget affluence. <laughs> um, and so I don't want to vote for her because I don't want to deal with the backlash of another woman losing to a man. Huh. 
It's funny because I have argued identity politics around this a number of times. Mm -hmm. She's problematic in a number of ways. Oh, for sure. Um, And if we want to talk about that, I'm more than happy to engage in that conversation of like, you know, that she was considered a woman of color teaching at Harvard. No, Right? Like, those are really problematic fucking things. If you just aren't sure that you can get behind her... That's misogyny. Right. And so I actually had this exact argument um, earlier this week where I was like, um, I posted on, I think I just I commented on a friend's post and was like, if you just don't like, quote unquote, if you just don't like Elizabeth Warren, that's misogyny. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming to my TED talk. Yeah. Like a smart ass because it's how I roll. And someone was like, no, she's problematic for these reasons and these reasons and these reasons. I was like, yes. Those are reasons. Those are reasons. That's not just not liking her. Correct. Yeah. And that that difference. And then we got into a really good discussion about like, yeah, I, there's a number of things that are problematic about a whole bunch of things. Voting is Public transit, well, that's right. a thing we'll talk about at some other point, I'm sure. In fact, we could probably do that for season two. Oh, we could. Because guess what, guys? Hey, we'll be right back. Oh, hi, hello. Hey. Hey, friends. If you love what you're hearing, consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even if you don't love what you're hearing, consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Your support helps us do more of the things. Check us out at patreon.com. Saraline Speaks. Guess what, guys? <laughs> what caroline um we have garnered enough support on our patreon um that season two is a go it is um, um which gave me the exact same pants shitting excitement that i had when we started season one <laughs> i was like oh no yay no so I, as i was processing this <laughs> I and and this was when it looked like we weren't right like yeah. it, like it, Patreon had sat for a really long time uh-huh. and um, then we, we had did, like four dollars for yeah, a while yeah. and and I was like okay so like I can let go right like mm-hmm. I said the things that I feel like I wanted to say and and that was what Todd asked me he was like well have you said what you wanted to say like are you done are you done mm-hmm. and I'm like I think I can be done mm-hmm. um, and then as soon as uh, as we passed that point I was like I have so many more things to say (laughs) so you for context um we're on the phone we're talking about the fact that we've passed our patreon uh support number which by the way it's not too late like we we have passed the point where we can recover the expenses that we put into season one Mm -hmm. so everything above and beyond this is stuff that we get to grow with and be creative with for season two and perhaps beyond that as well Mm -hmm. um so you know that patreon plug we really mean it um but uh we were on the phone talking about the fact that we had surpassed our goal Mm -hmm. and and we were kind of spitballing some ideas it actually came out of a totally different organic (laughs) conversation um which we'll come around to in season two and Mm -hmm. so and so you were like okay write these down and i'm like all right i'm putting them in i had like four topics in the season two (laughs) outline and then we met for lunch this week to do production work and i opened the outline i was like oh shit there's a whole lot more and she's like yeah 12 i think i did it i did did season two it's done season two is ready we're ready it's not no it's not that's not at all true Um, but but we do have some organizing stuff yeah well and we really do have some great some great subjects which i'm i'm re-energized i'm excited um i think uh in order to perpetually support that we still can use we can we're always going to need the help right because there are expenses that are just perennial i mean we're gonna Um, go to a podcasting kind of professional development event in april and i'm really excited about that but it's a big chunk of change yeah that we're gonna pay out of pocket and And we're really wanting to do merch and and there's a combination of things we can take the art that we already have and do merch or we can um, build some new build some new um imagery um with our our amazing artist um, Brennan French and so so it's some of those things that we are it's a renewed energy (laughs) and and I think too um that uh that support also it's 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 affirming Mm-hmm. It's um, so I so I rate validation, right? Internet validation is not as nutritionally sound as parental validation, for instance. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure I like where this is going, but go friend ahead. Friend validation <laughs> is more nutritionally sound than the number of likes you get on your Instagram. Sure. Right. Like, yes. So like 
validation is important. We all like validation. This kind of validation is the kind that actually has practical application. Right. And that is incredibly attractive to me and also incredibly energizing and exciting for then I feel that relationship building of like you guys are now not just people who are listening to us, but like people who are part of this collaborative process now. Do we want to thank that collaborative team right now? Sure, sure, sure. So these are our patron and patrons. Our patrons. My patrons. <laughs> it's late. late. <laughs> <laughs> these are our Patreon patrons. And boy, this list has grown since last time we sat at this table, which yeah, is Yeah, we may at some point have to add this to like the end. That's no, fine. Of the podcast, you all, you yeah. all can listen. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Joy, Lindsay, Jessica, Betsy, Kelly, Heather, Lauren, and Ethan. Andrea, Emily, Carol... Rebecca, Catherine, Joey, and Jen. We are so grateful. So grateful. This is really exciting. And and I also, um, I think that the shit that we're going to get into in season two is actually going to be really entertaining too. Because um, I mean, we've already gotten into one like pretty solid like conflict already. And I'm excited about it. It's yeah. just, it wasn't a conflict. All right, moving back to. Oh, hang on though. We have something else to celebrate. I don't know. You don't, you don't care about this I as don't much pay as, as much I do. Attention to this um, I um, am the person who does a lot of the managing of the SoundCloud account and the, um, and the analytics on there really make me happy. Um, and I went today to look at something different on the analytics and saw that we passed 2000 listens. <gasps> Well, that's exciting. It is though. exciting. Um, so I know that SoundCloud is also a little wonky. So not all of those are full listens to episodes, but that's another form of validation. Two thousand listens is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's fun too because we can kind of see from where like people are listening. Yeah, from. it actually tells us who our top listeners are. So you guys know who you are, and now so do we. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are going to be on. This will be our last episode for season one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be on social media still. Um, you can find us there because this is such a collaborative process. I really also want to encourage folks, um, to, uh, engage on the Sarah Line Listens mm-hmm. group and send us ideas. Mm-hmm. Like if you have thoughts about things that you want for season two, um, or if you have questions that you want us to go more in depth on, on something we went in, um, went on, on season one, Yeah, please like start those lines of communication because I really want to include that stuff. Email, social media. Um, there's there's lots of ways to get a hold of us. And we are we are responsive. If you send us stuff, we're going to we're going to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you are somebody who knows us IRL, like respond through the like actual accounts for the podcast. Yes, that please. gives us both better access to the conversation it's true and then we're hoping to launch i think in july is our tentative date yeah like late july yep. so um and then we'll take you through to the holidays we're not going to try to go over christmas no, anymore you that guys was this dumb. Is brutal that was a <laughs> we bad, bad idea choices. we're learning <laughs> <laughs> also like the the episode we dropped the week of christmas got like four listens for yeah. like two weeks and yeah. then i was like oh you guys aren't listening either it's yeah, fine yeah. it's fine um but the other cool thing, too, is for our Patreon folks, for our patrons, mm-hmm. we're going to do, um, I think we're going to do a meetup um, yep. event. Lansing-based. Lansing For Lansing-based yep. folks. Um, and then we're also um, going to be dropping content there consistently yep. through the break. And we've got some really fun, silly stuff. We've got some, I think, some more thoughtful things. I mean, if you're already on Patreon, you have seen some of the more reflective pieces mm-hmm. that we've posted. But also, we've got some just plain goofiness yeah as well we enjoy that and so do you question hopefully i mean you're getting it whether you want it or not guys (laughs) um so yeah and and i think as we've as we've sort of moved away from the conversation of the subject of this one i think the most important thing that we need to conclude the conversation on feminism Mm -hmm. with is the only reason we get to have a voice and that we've developed a voice and that season one happened yeah is because of feminism. Yeah. <laughs> um, the work of other people um, who who fought for women to have voices and to have things that w- they were allowed to engage in that were outside of domestic life and, um, and were a part of a much larger conversation in that way. Yeah. Yeah, so thanks for mothers right <laughs> right um i'm incredibly grateful also um that again one of the main pieces of internalized misogyny that i had was 
uh, aversion to friendships with women. And clearly, (laughs) I don't know, man. It's I'm not sure it's gonna stick. I don't right. Like probably this. We're still touch and go. Um, The some of the um, the most complicated, fruitful, challenging, difficult conversations that I have had in my whole life have been with this person who I'm sitting with right now. And I'm just incredibly grateful that we get to do season two. You have made a habit of complimenting me on the podcast for the last half of this season. It's the only time I can get her to hold still for it. She just walks away otherwise. (laughs) I literally had a friend who was like introducing me to another friend and was like, she's just the most delightful person. And I ran away. (laughs) Like I literally was like, don't and walked away. I mean, I'm not as cocky as I sound on here, I guess. No. I am also grateful. I'm grateful. And I will get all weird and nostalgic and um, weepy over the next couple weeks because this does feel like the closing of a chapter. But, like, not right now. Right Right now, now I want to go to bed. I'm so tired. I got two more snacks to eat because we had some celebratory snacks tonight. Mm. Um, And then I'm going to pack up my stuff and... Tell bed. me a resource, though, real quick before we do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so why don't you do yours first? Because I want to pull up the information and make sure that I'm saying it all correctly. Um, or are you doing the same? No, it's okay. okay. Um, so I I don't know if you guys knew this, but I'm a big fan of bell hooks. <laughs> you can't drop the thing that you've already dropped 18 times. No. It's your resource, though. All right. Be quiet. You, no, you be quiet. I won't. She loves me so much. Can you tell? Um. So, uh, her, her media theory is, so if, okay. Not you. I'm sorry. I'm yelling at the cat for trying to eat my snacks. Guys, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, so if you are, um, interested, everything that she's written is, is brilliant. Um, intersectional feminism. I mean, she's one Mm -hmm. of, she's one of the, the, she, she's just so great. I'm so tired, and I like her so much, and it's hard to think of things. You guys should read her stuff. Any anything by Bell Hooks, yeah. please do. Um, in my so I started with her criticism, and it was really good, uh, a good point. Um, but if you are not a person who consumes media that much, right? Like if you're not mm-hmm. a person who reads a lot and. Um, and watches a lot of older movies and like those kind of things, then some of it is that's not the best place to start. But her feminist theory stuff is really, really good. Um, so feminist theory from margin to center. Um, and, and it was published in 1984. And I highly recommend this book. Um, this was after I got out of criticism. This was the first one I read. And just it's every white woman who calls herself a feminist Mm -hmm. uh, should read that book. Um, And, and then uh, my other one, sorry, my other, (laughs) the cat, you guys met our dumb pets at the last one uh, on the last episode, but um, they have now decided to be even more insinuating. A featured section. They're they're featured guests. Um, And then I, my, second one I'm forgetting so you have to go next okay so I'm actually um it's not a podcast you guys I'm not about to give you a podcast recommendation um I actually have two uh artists that I would like to steer you towards um one is um hello hysteria on Instagram she does a lot of really um powerful graphic art commentary Um, on feminism and uh, I just really like her style it's very bold and kind of pop art Um, you can find her work on Etsy as well Uh, the artist's name is Alora Blessing but the account is Hello Hysteria Um, and uh, the other artist I want to I want to highlight is a local Lansing artist her name's Sarah Evans she runs Downey Tree Art Mm. Um, and I own a lot of her stuff but she has um, a whole uh, kind of she did like a, a art project around kind of um, subversive feminist issues. Um, and if you go through her stuff, it's there's a lot of uh, 
kind of hidden message work in her artwork that I really like. Um, she also does a bunch of Lansing landmarks, which I love. She's the person who did the the bag that I gave you for the, Christmas. That I got for Christmas, um, yeah. And she currently has an art show going on at, I think it's Strange Matter here in Lansing. Anyway, she's at a lot of our art events and worth checking out. So downytreeart.com or downytreeart. Um, and I'm choosing artists because I think that sometimes um, using tools to help you connect with your own emotions mm. around these things mm -hmm. before trying to do the brain work yeah is a good anchor the word thing it's a good check-in yeah, yeah the word zing um so those are i'm those are my resources for this time around we have one really intellectual and one kind of emotional mm -hmm. contemplative well and, I, and if you go on to the research or resource drop also on the page um i'm gonna have a whole pile of um female yeah. uh black and minority yep. uh, folks for mm -hmm. you to follow on Twitter and Instagram and um, their blogs and all of that stuff. There's and, and there will be something for Christian people as well mm -hmm. as non-Christian people mm -hmm. um, because I, I have a ton of feminist theologians that I really dig. Um, you know, even as a as an atheist sure. person, yeah. this, this thinking is really brilliant and yeah. complicated and challenging. Yep. Um, and I... Uh, and I, so go to the resource page. I'll yep. just have those links on there. Um, and then, of course, where you can get um, the book that I recommended as well. It's been a ride, man. Season Heck one yeah. in the books. <laughs> I'm really glad that I took a friend. Because <laughs> this is complicated. This shit is complicated. <laughs> This podcast is only possible because of the support and talents of our community. Thanks so much to Jen Worthington for our original music. Brennan French Graphic Arts for our logo design. Sammy Chow for our website design. Todd Parnell for sound design and editing. Thank you for listening. Nope. No. <laughs>